Welcome to Mandarin Baptist Church, where we are the generations declaring the redemptive story of God on Everyday Mission. Thank you so much for setting aside time to join us as we open Scripture together. Whether this is your first time joining us or if you listen in weekly, we want you to know that we are so thankful you are here. We believe God has something for each of us today. We know God is always working and speaking, and our prayer is that this message will minister to your heart as much as it has with us. Before we get started, there are a couple things for you to know. First of all, we would love to connect with you on a deeper level and even help you take your next step of faith, whatever that might be. A great first step is joining us on campus for one of our worship gatherings on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would also love to help you get connected to one of our small groups. Regardless of what life stage we are in, we strongly believe that we were not created to go through this life alone. We need people to come alongside of us and to help point each other toward Christ and encourage a deeper pursuit of God in our lives. For more information or questions you might have, please check us out online at mandarinbaptist.org. On our website, you will find groups for every age, as well as dates for events like Discover Mandarin, which is a great way to learn a little bit more about who we are, different ministries we are involved in, and local and global missions partners. You can like, follow, and join a live stream of our Sunday services at facebook.com slash Mandarin Baptist Church. So now, as we dive into scripture today and we hear the truths of God, we pray our lives are shaped by what His Spirit will speak to us. We hope His words will be written upon our hearts and we will move toward Christ as we check out this week's message. Could we dare or would we dare just say to the Father openly and very honestly, Oh, wind of heaven, blow across our gathering this morning. Would we say that? Would we say, Oh, Lord Jesus, We've come through every imaginable hardship and every imaginable disappointment. Some of us in this room today are facing interminable and difficult circumstances. I don't know what you brought to the room. But here's what I do know. I have nothing to say that if he has not endorsed will do you any good. So can I say, ask you, O wind of heaven, blow across this place. Oh, that we may know you in the fellowship of your suffering and the power of your presence. That we might seek you 
and come to know you. This morning, we're going to pick up where Jimbo Fisher left off the other day. As my African-American friend said on the great resurrection day, not only did he get up, he done got up. And so Jimbo did a magnificent job in saying to us, he is risen. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And I'm aware that life has a way of squeezing that hope out of you and creating doubt inside you so that we are confused about who we are, where we are, and how we are. And so we pray, O wind of heaven, blow across my hurting heart that I may see you and that I may be moved closer to who you are and where you are. I love this quote from out of Jimbo's sermon, the resurrection day for Christ is, is a marvelous and wonderful thing. And Jesus, when he rose from the dead, sealed that day in perpetuity as a day where everything changed. And we have a way of, uh, of having to deal with that word change. It's in the text that we'll get to in just a few moments. Change. We've been changed. Uh, there is much to change. As a matter of fact, I, I have counted about eight different places where there is significant, powerful, biblical change. We know that when the Father stepped out on nothing and made something and as he spoke, it happened. When, he, when the light was needed, he spoke to light and light appeared. When we needed water, he spoke to water and water appeared. They said, you, you can say to me, do you honestly believe that fable? Do you have a better answer to the creation? I can blow that up quicker than you can blow mine up. Why? Because we are standing in the presence of, of an awesome God. It was a moment of enormous change, change when the Father stepped out on nothing and began to speak something into existence. We know that that's true in chapter 3 of Genesis when put in a pristine uh, uh, place uh, where they were to live in peace and hope and and prosperity even, and Adam and Eve, uh, there was a, a, a tree planted and a fruit that was for I really do believe that Adam and Eve were Baptist. <laughs> I think I can prove that. God said you can have everything in the garden except this, and they gravitated to that. Is that Baptist? Don't touch it. Have you ever had a two-year-old in your house? Don't you touch that? Ran his mama crazy. My point is, there is something even in the garden that suggests our humanity. But when that became reality, the gravitational pull 
and the disobedience to God change took place. I don't have time to trace all of that, but there was a significant moment in Luke 2 where change took place. A woman, a righteous woman, not married, pregnant, and in that day and in some places even today, not only was it unacceptable, but it would marginalize her and discredit her and would not allow her to have any significant role in anything. And yet in that moment, in that, in that feed trough outside Jerusalem, Jesus Christ was born, hear me, of a virgin and the Son of God and the Son of Man arrived on time. Change. We go through his life. We go now to the cross. And as we look at the reality that Jesus Christ died, the death that he died, that we might live the life that he lived, would you not agree with me, not only is his death significant and important, not only is it enormously a part of all that we are, it is the change moment that we need desperately, not just in his death, but in his burial and in his resurrection. So Jimbo got Jesus up out of the grave. He is alive forevermore. It's the resurrection message that is resonating not only during Easter Sunday, but every day that we live. May, may I just remind you that on the resurrection morning, that change that occurred, the cross is now history. We're looking at the cross through the rear view mirror of our lives. It is already a historical fact. The execution of Jesus has taken place. His body has been buried. He is dead. His body buried, and his followers are scattered everywhere, broken, disillusioned, disappointed. Can I tell you our problem is we live in a very antiseptic world. Ours has been sanitized and the, the, the stories have been internalized and we have squeezed them until we think maybe it could be folklore or it maybe it didn't happen. I grew up in, a, grew up in an era where without a steady Sunday school teacher, who breathed life and hope in me and who was as certain of the resurrection of Christ as he was of his own daughter that I married. He sunk his life into me as a boy. And I never will forget that dating my wife all the way through high school in 63 years of marriage, what he taught and what he demonstrated, my father-in-law impacted my life till this very moment. He did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He was more certain that Jesus Christ was alive than he was in his own living 
reality. It's amazing to me. So these, uh, these disciples, disillusioned, don't turn them into martyrs. They're broken and disillusioned and, and, and absolutely trying to figure out what in the world is happening here. And I want to remind you uh, this morning that uh, it appeared to them that the plan of Satan had prevailed. There is no evidence prior to the resurrection from the cross moment to the burial moment to the great getting up day. There was absolutely nothing in their lives that gave them hope. It appeared to them that Satan's plan prevailed. The voice of Jesus was silent. The disturber, the Messiah of God, had been marginalized. He had no power. He was just another dead religious man. And so the message had been destroyed. But Sunday was a coming. There was coming a day, and Sunday would be it. Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, and the disciple, the beloved disciple of, named John, fit the picture. Don't you love the fact that Mary Magdalene, don't you know she left the cross and went back home heavy, heavy-hearted? She loved the master. She'd seen his hand at work. She'd been with him. She had heard his teaching. Her life had been changed by his influence and power. She didn't understand all of it, but Mary Magdalene got up early, early that Sunday morning to make her way to a grave site. When she got there, A long way off, she could see that the opening, that rock, had been rolled back and the tomb stood open. So she just simply walked up and stooped down and looked in. And in her mind, there was no body, no physical body, lying in repose in that tomb. So she did what everybody's scared to death when that kind of thing takes place. She took off back to see the others and ran face first into Simon, Peter, and John, the beloved disciple, and told them the story, and they took off running. Her view, somebody has stolen the body of Jesus. Stay with me. You say, we know all that. I'm not sure you do. You see, what I'm saying to you is, you may intellectually have read that, but what is the meaning? Getting their shoes, get in their skin, walk to a grave site, expecting to see the most important figure that they'd ever encountered, that a man has come proposing to be the son of the living God, the prince of peace, the, the, the Messiah of God, the, the, the promise of prophecy. He's dead. Now his body's gone. So they make their way, running like crazy, 
And John gets there first, looks in, doesn't go in. Simon Peter looks in and goes in. And there's the, there's the burial cloth or the burial clothing lying just as he stepped out of it. And the face cloth that had been folded and put down. And he took off then like a shot. I want you to see this, this screenshot. An empty grave became God's truth bomb from heaven and it exploded over the followers of Jesus in a powerful way. Can I just pose a question or two? What if? What if there had been a split decision among Peter, John, and Mary? I... I, I want to make I want to make this thing. I was I was spent some time in the Air Force and was in England, and a friend of mine, uh, the, the, the guy there, had a, had a car and had enough money to buy a car, uh, bought a car, and he and his wife said, "Let's go to uh, do a picnic out out on the coast," and so we did. We hadn't gotten far from the base from Milton Hall, and all of a sudden we round a curve, and there is an absolutely awful wreck that is unfolding before our eyes. A guy, I'd, I watched every bit of it happen. I was in the back seat. I had a bird's eye view. I knew exactly what took place in that wreck. And it, man, when all the dirt and dust settled and we helped get folks out, did all that we could. And when we had done all that we could, we got back in the car and we started on to the coast can I just tell you that there were three of us, Bruce, his wife, and me, and they were wrong in their description. I knew what really happened. Can you imagine if someone is injured, they call three of us to a court of law to tell a, a personal view of that wreck? We don't, they not, not only are they not alike, they're, they're not related in any way. I had the truck entering their lane. They, he hit them, and they have the car entering. The, are, are you following me? I'm, I'm telling you, we are in the middle of, all, of this, 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 this experience that will change the course of history. What if Mary had gone there, and there was the body lying in repose with all of the burial garb and the face mask and here comes Simon Peter and John the beloved disciple and they say no 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 there 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 was no one in the grave what would have taken place split decision well i can tell you if there is a body left still buried in that grave after the resurrection day, then you do know that the entire fabric of our faith implodes. The scripture is a fairy tale. Jesus Christ may or may not be the son of the living God. He may or may not be, and we could go on and on and on forever, but the real issue is a personal, transformative relationship to Jesus Christ 
cannot happen. As a matter of fact, Paul has pointed this out in the, in the uh, uh, Corinthians 14 and 15, and he wants us to understand that everything about what we have been taught and what we believe collapsed into a pile of rubble, and you can trust none of it. But the fact is, the fact is, and the em emphasis is, that death has been swallowed up in victory, said Paul in verse 54. He is alive forevermore. And there are two factors in that, and the sustaining power in it is incredible. We know that there is a cross in this, and we know there is an empty tomb in this. The cross contains and holds a big word like grasshopper propitiation. On a good day, I can't spell it, much less pronounce it. You know what that means? There was someone, Jesus Christ, who willingly went to a cross, and propitiation means he did not take on our sin. I want you to hear me. Oh, Jesus took my sin on. Excuse me. That's not true. He became sin for you. He brought the payment from heaven. The purpose of his arrival is to what? It is to pay a debt you owe because of your sinful, corrupting nature that you cannot pay. I am a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, not because I was born into a Baptist family, a Christian family, a pious family, a this family, a that family. I am a believer and I have hope in the, in the here and now and in the next life because of what? Because of the work of Christ on a cross. It is a blood bath. He poured out his blood that I might find forgiveness and cleansing. He paid a debt he did not owe in order that I might have a, a life to live for his glory. The cross. But there is also salvation, rescue, redemption. I don't know much. But I know when I was maybe 10, 11 years old, I remember as if it were yesterday, minding my own business as a kid in a elementary school, going to a revival meeting on a Wednesday morning in South Carolina, opera seats in the church. I love that. You could pop them down and put your knees on the back and be chilled. And I was chilled until I listened and heard a clear, demanding, carefully laid out gospel good news of how much God loved me and what Christ wanted to do in me. I don't remember all that I need to know about that, but here's what I do remember. My life was forever changed when I invited Jesus Christ into my life and received him 
as my Savior and as my Lord. Why do I tell you that? Because you see, when I get to chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, beginning at verse 50, listen, listen as we read that together. Uh, brothers, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, man, I, I want you to listen to me. This is the toughest passage. Your, your pastor assigned me this. I'm not forgiving him yet, and I'm not thinking about it, and not ever. I want you to listen to me read this. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. Well, I'm telling you, it's a mystery. Hear me. Paul said, we will not all fall asleep, but we'll all be changed. There's that word. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, in the twinkle of an eye, the last trump for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised here we go, incorruptible, and we will be changed. There it is again. For this corruptible must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal must put on, be clothed with immortality. When this corruption is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, can I just ask you very honestly, do you understand all of that corruption and incorruption and mortal and immortal? You go, mm, not really. So I was sitting there, sitting in my office, trying to mind my own business and figure this out weeks ago. The, the, the corruptible must put on incorruption. What is that? Walked into the first church Peggy and I planted in South Carolina, was told, do you know Eleanor C.? And I said, no. That's my first Sunday. I didn't know anybody. And I said, no, I don't think so. Well, she's in the hospital and she's dying with cancer. Would you go see her? Well, I said, certainly, and I did that afternoon. I walked in, her doctor walked out, and he had the, the diagnosis incurable. I'd never see any. I just got out of the Air Force. I'm 22 or 3 years old. This church had the audacity or the ignorance to call me to be their pastor. I've never been, I've never had, I've never done a funeral, and I've never seen anybody die. Now you know I was a blessing. And I went in. And I met a woman who was maybe 35 or 40 with a death sentence. A year later, I buried her. I was standing in the room when she died. Her, her husband's name was Lethko C. He just had major surgery. 
She wanted to sit up, and we did. I said, let go. Eleanor's your wife. Will you be all right if I put my arm under her head and pull her with her arm and sit her up? You can't do that. He said, I'll try. I said, no, let me do that. Yeah, let's do that. Set her up. We sat there for just a second or two. And she said, I, I, I see Jesus. I'm telling you as a dumber than a brick preacher, I had cold chills and my knees got as weak as water. But you know what I know? She saw Jesus. And we lay her down. And she breathed her last. Can I be, take privilege? We sat on February the 17th, stood in a room, Baptist South. I'd watch my wife struggle with ALS in ways that I cannot describe and I don't need to. Hospice nurse said, have you called? No, I will. And away they took my wife, the boys, Mark and Donnie and I followed. And at one o'clock, they bathed her, fixed her hair, and brought her back to the room. What I had seen writhing in pain that is beyond measure. We watched as the father touched her life. And while we're sitting, standing, and Marcus seated by her bed, holding her hand, the nurse is seated, male nurse, that, that was a godsend to us, was just counting and watching. We were talking about, should we leave, and maybe you call us if needs. Oh, yeah. None of us were comfortable with that. So we were talking, and we were discussing and he looked up into the three men, two boys and a husband, and said, boys, I think she just stepped over and left us. And the immediate view was of perfect peace. I don't know how to explain all the other, but I found... I love the message. I love Eugene Peterson's message. You say, well, it's not an accurate translation. Get over that. <laughs> do you read English? It'll do you good. I didn't ask your permission to do this. I'm going to quote it. I hope you'll like it. I do. Why? It speaks to me. Listen. Peterson said this, 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 this very passage, chapter 15, 50 to 58, Here's what he says. The corpse that's planted is no beauty. But when it's raised, it's glorious. Put in the ground weak. 
It comes up powerful. The seed sown is natural. The seed grown is supernatural. Same seed, same body, but what a difference from when it goes down in physical mortality to when it is raised up in spiritual immortality. Now does corruptible in immortality, does that make sure it does. But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet, and in this time that you look up and you blink your eyes, it's over. Then the saying comes true. I love this. Don't miss it. Death swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the last word? Oh, death. Oh, death. Who's afraid of you now? So I want you to hear me. From the cross, Jesus would say, well, not yet. From the empty tomb, he says, not yet, not yet. But when the trumpets, when the trumpet sounds, he said, yes, sir, that's it. Up from the grave, the scripture says, and the grave gives up the bodies of the believers and those who are still alive shall be changed. We watched her. And I watched Peggy step from a hospital room that smells like a hospital room, looks like a hospital room, limited by like a hospital room into the unlimited, unmerited, but holy presence of a living Christ. Do you want to know why resurrection means something to me? Not just because of that sacrificial death, but because of it. I can stand by the side of my wife and I can say to her, a little while. It's just a little while. So when we live in this resurrection message, here's the question. Here's the question. Are you listening? This is just a lot of words. Unless the Holy Spirit who is here, O wind of heaven, blow across us. Unless you say to him, Lord Jesus, would you take my imperfections, my proclivity towards sin, my desire to be disobedient, that thing in me that messes me up over and over. Is it possible that because we are standing beneath the cross, not yet, at an empty tomb, not yet, but the trumpet sound. Suggest yet is here. The question what do you need to do about the yet? Yet, while you have time, cry out to Him, Lord Jesus, I'm a mess. Far from Him. That's why he came and died. Yet, he loves you. 
Thank you again for listening in to what God is doing here at Mandarin. We hope this is just the beginning to the gospel conversations we have and will share in through our weeks. We never want this to be the end of what God is doing, but just another launching pad for His glory and renown to be central in our lives and relationships. Again, we would love to help you take your next step of faith, possibly here with us as part of our Mandarin Faith family. You can visit us online at mandarinbaptist.org and facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch to see what your next step of faith could be. We thank you again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.